Well, good morning to you. Good morning, good morning. How are you doing this morning? Good, that's good. How many people say schedule? One and Rose. How many people say schedule? Okay. I've just always been curious. I knew I was moving to British Columbia, but I was wondering how British we were. But I could see we're more Colombian than we are British, so that's good. Um, you may have noticed that we don't have any doors, so if you could, if you go to the washroom, the good news is that you won't be opening up a creaky door. The bad news is we can probably hear you using the washroom. Um, but if you would just be aware of that as you gather in the lobby, that was a joke for those visiting, I'm sorry. Um, you'll get used to me in about 40 minutes. Um, but it is so good to be with you. And this morning, I'm sharing a message in our series on the fivefold ministry called Prophets. Prophets. And so our, um, our text for this series is Ephesians chapter 4. And last week, Pastor Jen talked about pastors. And pastors are responsible for nurturing the community. Pastors are the ones that protect and nurture a community, and we need pastors. Pastors are shepherds. They, they care for the community. And as I was preparing the message on prophets, I actually felt like there was a parallel to pastors. I believe that prophets as well guard and guide the community. They guard God's covenant with his people. They guard God's written word. They guard God's spoken word. And often prophets throughout the Old Testament and New Testament do protect. They protect the community. They protect the relationship that God has with his people. And they protect people among themselves. And so this morning I'm going to talk about prophets. It's probably uh, my favorite of the five gifts. Um, I feel like this is something that God has been stirring in my heart for many years. Actually, it was 19 years ago when I was sitting in a service much like this. And the pastor at the front was standing there and he said, is Joel here? And I said, yes, I'm here. And I, I was actually sitting kind of toward this, this section right here. And the, and, and the pastor said, would you just stand and, and step out into the aisle. And so I stood and I stepped out into the aisle. And then I didn't know if he was going to shoot me with a laser or something. I just stood there and he said, Joel, the Lord has called you to be a prophet to the nations. And in that moment when he said this to me, I was just kind of frozen. And the first thought I had is, who am I? Like, I'm nobody. My next thought was, I don't even know what to say. I didn't know the story of Jeremiah when this happened to me. But I remember in that moment sitting down somewhat confused, like, why me? What does a prophet even mean? What does he mean, the nations? Where is God going to send me? But it was in this moment in 2003 that my life was totally altered. You see, God called me before I was qualified. 
He called me before I was educated. He called me before I even knew what the word he called me to meant. And it was in that moment that I remember being like, I wonder what a prophet is. (laughs) And then he told me the passage. He said, this comes from the book of Jeremiah. Jeremiah chapter 1 and following. I want to talk about four aspects of a prophet this morning. Number one, just a general summary of a prophet. Second is the call of a prophet. Third is the development of a prophet. And fourth is the heart of a prophet. I think I'll get through two. God uses prophets throughout the Old and New Testament. In fact, there are 88 prophets in the Bible. 88, really good number, especially if you're Asian. 88. 65 in the Old Testament. 23, New Testament. But really, the role of a prophet is to guard the covenant that God has with his people. They were sent throughout the Old Testament to guard what God was saying, what God was doing with his people, but really they guarded the relationship that God had with his people. Prophets move in two directions. They move vertically, often called to a lot of prayer, personal worship, time with God, They see the relationship they have with God as of utmost importance. They're vertically connected. This deep conviction of God, what are you saying today? What are you saying in this moment? What are you speaking to me for this time? The second part of a prophet's ministry is not just vertical, but horizontal. God, what are you saying to me for these people? God, how how should we impact the community? God, what is on your heart for Coquitlam, Port Moody, Port Coquitlam, Pitt Meadows, Maple Ridge, Burnaby, Vancouver, Richmond, the surrounding area? Prophets have this vertical and horizontal conviction. What is God saying? What is God doing? Let's look at the call of a prophet, and I'll spend quite a bit of time here. Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 5 to 8. If you have your Bibles, turn with me there. Oh, I heard pages. Brings joy to my heart. Verse 5. Actually, verse 4. Now the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. Before I formed you in your mother's womb, I knew you.
Before you are even cells and tissue, I knew you. Before you were a fetus, I knew you. The word for know is to be intimately familiar. I don't know what your view is on abortion, but I'll tell you the biblical view. The biblical view is before you are even cells or tissue, a fetus, a baby, before you are even formed in your mother's womb, God knew you completely, completely. And before you were born, I consecrated you. That means before you left your mother's womb, God took you and he set you apart. Consecrated means holy, set apart for purpose. Before you were formed and before you were born, God knew you completely and he has your whole purpose mapped out for you. And again, before you were born, I appointed you a prophet to the nations. When I began studying what a prophet is and I came to this, these verses, because these are the ones spoken to me, I, I realized how little of becoming a prophet had to do with me. See, so many things in our life we have to learn and we have to earn. We have to learn skills. We have to be educated. We have to earn certain things in life. We have to earn a paycheck. We have to earn a title. We have to learn about these different things that we're going to be involved in. We have to learn, you know, how to cut a piece of wood. And somebody will teach us how to cut a piece of wood before we cut that piece of wood. And everything in life has all these boundaries and all of these guidelines and all of this studying and all of it. And we come to this passage and God says, guess what? Before you were even a thought in your parents' mind on Valentine's Day, I knew you. And I formed you, and I called you. The call of a prophet is the call. It's that God, before we know anything, he sets us apart. And Jeremiah's response was very much like my own response. He said, ah, Lord God, behold, I don't know how to speak, for I'm only a youth. And the Lord said to me, do not say I'm only a youth, for to all to whom I send you, you shall go, and whatever I command you, you shall speak. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you to deliver you, declares the Lord. And I remember in 2003 when I had this moment, and I was looking for an excuse out God, I'm too young. God, I don't know what to say. I don't even know what the word prophet means. What do you mean nations? What do you mean? What do you mean? I had all these questions for God. And Jeremiah has all these excuses. And God basically tells him, don't worry, Jeremiah. You don't have to know how to speak. Prophet means speaking ones. Messengers. I would think prophets need to know how to speak. 
But the Lord corrects Jeremiah. He says, you don't have to know how to speak. You have to learn how to listen. Because I'll put my words in your mouth. I will send you where you need to go. You don't need to know what nations you're going to go to. You don't need to know how to speak. You don't need to know what words you have to come up with. Hey, Jeremiah, can you open your mouth? That's good. That's all I need from you is open your mouth. And I realized in 2003, 19 years ago, and I haven't even scratched the surface on what prophecy is and what I'm being a prophet means. I remember having this understanding that God doesn't call the qualified. God doesn't call the equipped. He equips the called. God qualifies the called. The reason God does it this way is because we would take the credit. The reason God does it this way is because we're prideful people. The reason God does it this way is because then we would come up with some formula and some school that has it exactly the way that we learned it. And the call of a prophet is a call of intimacy. It's a call of connection. It's a call of that vertical relationship with God. The call of a prophet is a call to prayer, a call to worship, a call to intimacy, a call to getting to know God heart to heart. God says to Jeremiah, don't look at your age, don't look at your qualifications, just listen to me and speak what I tell you. In other words, Jeremiah, don't look at the facts. Just listen to my truth. I remember I was sitting in a prayer meeting in this sanctuary and there was a guest speaker that night and he was talking about the gifts of the spirit and then we spent some time just listening to God. God, what do you want to say in this meeting? What do you want to say in this moment? And I remember there was somebody next to me and he leaned over and he said, I see baby shoes. Baby shoes. I'm praying and I see baby shoes. And I'm like, I don't know, just leave that one alone. Just leave it alone. I actually have a rule about prophecy. I say no dates, no mates, no babies. Don't t talk about any of those three. But I was praying about this. I just, I took it to the Lord and I was like, mm, baby shoes, baby shoes. And immediately God said, this couple over here who is trying to have a baby, they're going to get pregnant. And you know what I did? I went up to them and I said, you're going to get pregnant. I didn't do that. That's what I wanted to do. But I didn't because I got this rule and I'm not that bold. But I tucked it away in my heart and I just prayed for them. They had been trying for years to get pregnant. And she was pregnant in a few months. And right after they had the first child, they had the second child. And I remember that facts 
are not how God speaks. In other words, what is observable is not what God speaks. What makes sense is not always what God speaks. Because when God speaks, he creates. When God speaks, things that are not true become true. They're not able to be experienced or scientifically deduced. You couldn't reason them. They don't make sense. Here's a couple who is, who is barren. She is unable to have children. And God speaks through a picture of baby shoes in someone's head. And in this moment, this woman is healed. Her womb is open and she becomes pregnant. It doesn't make sense. It's not factual, but it's true. It's more true than the facts. God's revelation is more true than facts. When God said to Jeremiah, Jeremiah, I have called you to be a prophet to the nations. That is true, but that was not a fact. Because God creates when he speaks. Something that was not alive becomes alive. When God spoke the earth into creation, what did he say? Let there be light. He didn't gather up some light and then come and, and create light on earth. He just spoke it into existence because God's word creates. Which is why prophets can come off a little bit weird sometimes. You know, we could have stood up in that meeting and been like, baby shoes. And people are like, crazy. Bye-bye. I remember I was speaking in a, in a youth group here, and I was uh, sharing a message. And right toward the end of my message, we have, when we're preaching, what's called two minds. And so one mind is always on your notes and your verses, and you're thinking through, where am I supposed to be next? And I have no idea where I'm going right now, but usually your mind is kind of where you're supposed to be going next. Then you have this other mind that is listening to God. And I remember I was preaching with the youth and I'm going through my notes and I'm following it pretty nicely. And then I get to the end and I just hear the word in my mind, Skittles. And I thought to myself, hmm, I would love some Skittles right now. Then I got off into this tangent about eating Skittles, enjoying Skittles, loving Skittles. What is my favorite flavor of Skittles? I like the green ones. Oh my goodness, Skittles are so good. I like sour Skittles. Whoever invented those are really good. And I kind of got off onto this tangent, and then I was, came back to my notes, and I kept preaching. And then the Lord said, Skittles. I said, okay. I actually don't want Skittles right now. I think God is saying something else. So I, in my mind, second mind, I said, God, what are you saying about Skittles? And he said, there's a, a girl here whose nickname is Skittles. And I was like, okay, what do I do with that? So I felt like I should share it because I'm an idiot. So I said, listen, I'm sorry, but is there somebody here that Skittles, I didn't even say your nickname, I just said, is there someone here who Skittles means something to you? It was just like that, nothing. 
like, okay, I finished my message, and I just, afterwards, everybody left to go hang out in the lobby, and a young girl came forward. I don't even know why I'm emotional about this. Anyway, she came forward, and I said, Skittles, she goes, yeah, that was my, my dad's nickname, and I felt responsible for their marriage ending. I just prayed with her. Um, simple, wasn't like this beam from heaven came down. But she experienced the heart of God. And I said, I just want to pray for you. You're not responsible. You're not responsible for this thing that you felt responsible for. That their relationship is their relationship. And we had this wonderful time of talking about it. And I prayed for her and she left. And I will tell you, I've had lots of Skittles moments. It's like in my mind, there's thoughts and then there's God thoughts. The thought of Skittles, 9.9 times out of 10, I probably just want Skittles, right? A danger would be to think every time I think about Skittles, God has this transforming word for someone, right? That would be wrong to do, is to make it a formula. But there was this moment when God speaks when an ordinary word... You sense that God is saying something deeper than that word. And that's when you pay attention. And I've been realizing this for 19 years. I've read books on prophecy. I've read formulas on listening to God. I've read other people's stories. I've read other people's this and that. I've done basic training in, in prophetic ministry and all of that's great. But what it comes down to is when is God speaking and when is it my own thoughts? And of course, when is it the enemy's thoughts? Now, just because the gift of a prophet isn't earned or learned, it doesn't mean it can't be developed. The development of a prophet. Here we have, again, the story of Jeremiah. We continue in verse 9. The Lord put out his hand and touched my mouth. And the Lord said to me, behold, I have put my words in your mouth. I have set you this day over nations and over kingdoms to pluck up and to break down, to destroy and to overthrow, to build and to plant. So here we have this moment where God literally touches Jeremiah's mouth. We have the same thing with Isaiah. Isaiah, an angel, it says, um, goes into heaven and grabs a coal from heaven and touches Isaiah's lips? I've never heard of that happening to anybody, by the way. 
So sometimes we think, well, God's got to put a coal on my mouth before I... It's never the same. The call is never the same. But here with Jeremiah, God touches him. God puts his words in his mouth. And then he comes to this moment where God's going to begin testing him. He says to him, what do you see, Jeremiah? And Jeremiah says, I see an almond branch. Then the Lord said to me, you have seen well, for I'm watching over my word to perform it. Whose word is God watching over? God is watching over his word. See, God called me, and I'm just using this as an illustration, because I am a very, 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 very small prophetic person. You can't even see how small I am up here. I'm just a little ant right on the ground. That's how small I am. I'm using this as an illustration. God called me to be a prophet. God is watching over his word. His eye is upon me because I am his word. He's watching over me because I am the seed he planted here. And when he spoke it, he wants to see it come to fruition. And you are all his word spoken. And he's watching over all of you to see his word performed. What do you see, Jeremiah? I see an almond branch. The word of the Lord came to me. A second time, what do you see? I see a boiling pot facing away from the north. I see an almond branch and I see a boiling pot. Skittles. Of course you have to study what almond tree means. Almond tree means the first to blossom. It means soon. It means immediately. It means very soon. Boiling pot to the north obviously means pasta. We all know that. He's about to have a delicious pasta dinner. God's going to make sauce with meatballs and sausage. It's going to be awesome. That's how he's going to speak to me someday. I know it's going to be boiling pot. And we'll be like, should we salt the water? And then God uses this word, this almond branch and boiling pot to indicate that judgment from the north is going to come upon Judah. In 586 BC, the nation of Babylon is going to invade. God is using pictures. Almond tree doesn't normally mean probably that destruction is going to come very soon. Boiling pot doesn't usually mean that there's going to be judgment upon the nation of Judah. But in this instance... God is showing him, this is what these pictures mean.
All prophecy has three elements to it. And the development of a prophet is understanding what these three elements are. There are three stages, there are three phases, there are three steps. The first step is revelation. The second step is interpretation. And the third step is application. Revelation is what is God saying? Revelation in this instance would be the almond tree. Revelation in this instance would be the boiling pot. Revelation in my Skittles story was Skittles. Revelation in the baby shoes story would have been baby shoes. Every prophetic word begins here. But most people stop there, which is the issue. Most people stop with these pictures that are going through their heads in prayer, uh, visions that they're going through during worship. They sense something as they're reading God's word. They have the dreams at night, but they don't think they mean anything. And most people that actually are prophets or prophetic leave the whole thing at Revelation. Revelation is what is God saying? Revelation is what is God showing me? And then the second part is interpretation. And so in Jeremiah's case, the interpretation of the almond tree would be what? It's happening soon. The interpretation of the boiling pot is the judgment is coming from the north. The interpretation in the Skittles story is God wants to speak to a young woman about her not being responsible for her parents' marriage. Now that's super important. The revelation is, is obviously the first key and the first step, but the interpretation is, is super important as well. But we can't stop there either, right? Because God wants to, he's watching over his word to what? Perform. He's watching over his word that something would be done with his word. This, and this is the moment, the application is the moment where heaven touches earth. Application is the moment where what God is saying is now going to actually have an earthly impact. And so we can't leave it just at interpretation. It's not good to just know, ah, judgment's coming. Ah, whatevs. Let's eat some pasta. Interpretation is not just me knowing that a young woman is impacted. That's not the point. The point is that I would pray for her, right? The point of prophecy is to see it through so that it has earthly impact. And it's that application. It's God, what, what do I do with this? Just in, in worship, for some reason this morning, there was a few words that came to me in worship as I'm sitting there. Some were just for me, but some were for this service. Someone said to me, I see two cherubim up here during worship. I see two cherubim, two, two angels during worship. Now, most of us just thought it was an awesome worship set, right? Can we give the worship team a round of applause? But we were entertaining angels, unaware. Without the prophetic word, we came, we worshiped, we felt good, we gathered. It was amazing. Talented musicians, Carrie, 
you're not moving away, sorry. <laughs> Leading worship again with us? We haven't experienced what a blessing it is to have her leading worship. And that's all wonderful. There's nothing wrong with any of those things. But to miss that we were entertaining angels? Miss out. Prophets kind of add some flavor, heavenly flavor, to what's happening on earth, right? Prophets see and hear what God is doing so that what God is doing and what God is saying would be translated through a vessel to impact the community. And throughout the Old Testament, it was very clear that God would speak to one person on one day in one place for one people, and it was very singular because the Holy Spirit would come upon a prophet, and when he would come upon the prophet, the prophet would speak, and he or she would tell the people what God is saying, and it was very singular in, in its expression, but in the New Testament, as Jesus came as the one and only capital P prophet, Jesus now, Ephesians says, Jesus gave these gifts to the church, and the Holy Spirit is not one place at one time upon one person with one message the Holy Spirit is distributed to all and as the Holy Spirit comes upon God's people we become prophetic Jesus gave prophets to the church and interestingly enough prophecy is listed in all the gifts and Paul says in 1 Corinthians 14 this is not in your notes this is me following that second mind 1 Corinthians 14, he says, pursue love and earnestly desire spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy elsewhere. He says, I desire that you all would prophesy. How many believe that all can hear God's voice? How many believe that every Christian can hear God speak? How many people believe that all can be used prophetically? You have to answer yes to that one as well. Sorry, I didn't write it. See, prophecy is about listening, not speaking. Speaking is the mechanical effort of opening up our jaw and flapping our tongue. It's the thoughts that come, the words that come. I don't have time to get into the heart of a prophet. I hate to say it, but it really is the most important part. Why did I put it at the end if I just listened to God? But I want to leave you with this. It's really important. The heart of a prophet is a hopeful person. The heart of a prophet is to find treasure in people. The heart of a prophet is to be, a prophet is meant to be the most hopeful person in the room. I am really sick of hopeless prophecy. Prophecy more focused 
on what's happening around us in the world. Prophecy focused more on destruction. Prophecy focused more on the fact that the world's just getting darker and darker. That kind of prophecy, useless. Prophecy is meant to be hopeful, joyful, peaceful, and the heart of a prophet is to bring it. Prophecy is not meant to find the junk in society. That's easy. It doesn't take revelation. It's merely observation. Prophecy is solution-oriented, not problem-oriented. And the heart of a prophet is a solution-oriented man or woman. The heart of a prophet is solutions to problems, hope to hopelessness. The heart of a prophet is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. Maybe this is you. Maybe you're here this morning and you're like, oh my goodness, I thought that was just bad pizza. But during worship, I had this picture in my mind. Or maybe you sit in during a sermon and you just feel like thoughts come into your mind out of nowhere. Maybe you're a dreamer. Maybe you have lots of dreams where you feel like they've got to mean something. Maybe you sense things or or know things or feel like God is speaking to you. Maybe that's you. And if that is you, I want to pray specifically for you. But it's also my conviction that all people are created to hear God's voice. And so in a way, we're all prophetic. And I want to pray for you. I want to pray for all of us. And I'll invite the worship team to come up as I do. Father, I I thank you that you have created us with two ears and one mouth. That we would listen to your voice, Lord. That we would learn to hear what you want to say, Lord. I pray that our hearts, Lord, this morning would be kind of arrested to your presence and to your voice, Lord. I pray that you would right now begin to awaken in this place, Lord, people that you are calling to be prophets, Lord. Not just to far off nations, but to communities here at home. Prophets to their home, to their community, to their workplace, Lord their schools, to the places that they might go, Lord. I pray even now that as they sit here, Lord, you would put your hand upon them, Lord, and show them that you've called them to be a mouthpiece for you, to share what is on your heart, Lord, for people around them. And we pray even now, just in this moment, before we end in worship, Lord, I pray that you would speak. That young and old, I also feel this for for some. Some of you feel like you're not too young. You actually feel like you're too old. And I want to speak to you as well that you are never too old to be used in a new way, in a fresh way, anointed by God to speak. 
And maybe you're sitting there going, yeah, it's a good thing I'm not too young, but I'm, I'm kind of past. I'm past my time. I'm in kind of ministry retirement. I want to speak to you and just say the Lord has called you and anointed you and appointed you that before you were formed in your mother's womb, he set you apart. And in this moment, all you have to just say is, yes, Lord, use me. Yes, Lord, use me, speak to me. And even now, as we respond in worship to him, continue to keep that yes in the forefront of your mind. In Jesus' name, amen.